being reasonable. Now heard on WHUPLP Hillsborough, WCOM Carborough, and WPVM Asheville. Being Reasonable comes to you from the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsborough, North Carolina. I'm Mark Solomon, and you are taking part in Being Reasonable, the weekly conversation show that focuses on how we've arrived on our steadfast views and our desire to know what is true. To participate in this friendly collaboration, all you need is respectfulness and an honest interest in the truth. We can all improve the way we form and consider our beliefs. And we can do so by being reasonable. One, two. On this week's show, we first speak with Joshua Knoll, co-host of the Whole Church Podcast. Joshua explains that a belief in the Christian God should necessitate a belief in reason. Next, we speak with Taylor Barner, Presbyterian campus minister at Elon University. Taylor discusses his belief in the theology of play. But first up, Joshua Knoll from the Whole Church Podcast. To be a Pentecostal, what does that mean? That's a loaded question, man. Well, just for kicks and giggles, I'll give you some of the stereotypes. You know, a lot of people think we're just the crazy people who speak in tongues and handle snakes. Well, which, when you, I'm not, well, yeah. when when you, you Google hear, it, you well, kind so of see some that's of that. That's basically what I know. I mean, yeah. not that I'm saying you're crazy. But I'm just being honest. I, that, that's all I really know about that representation of Christianity. Yeah. So. Um, now, I will say you might want to talk to a better Pentecostal <laughs> at some point. Yeah, I've changed my beliefs on some things compared to the bigger church of the Pentecostal movement. But originally it's named after the Pentecostal, the day of Pentecost, which is in the book of Acts, like the first and second chapter. And it's the time where the Holy Spirit came down in place of Jesus is, you know, they're the Trinity. There's God, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. So this is the time where the Holy Spirit is here with us. And he moved and people spoke in tongues that they didn't know. And then other people in the area understood them in their language. It was like, Oh, we didn't know you knew our language. We didn't know either. And they understood them and were able to witness in that way. Now, that's what it was in the Bible. Today, it kind of is a branch off of Protestantism. Without saying hyper-spiritualized, I think, I think you kind of get what I mean. It's um, more focused on that aspect of Christianity. My belief is that a belief in the Christian God should necessitate a belief in reason. Okay. A belief in a Christian God should necessitate a belief in reason. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I think. On a scale from one to seven, yeah. how confident are you in this belief? See, I, 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 I told reason, my friend when you asked me this, I was going to say 42, because that's right. my favorite number. I was like, I'm just going to make it one to 49, so I can say 42. So I'll say six out of seven. Well, the reason why I do one to seven is because it has a midpoint. So four is the precise midpoint from one to seven, so that way someone can be on the fence. Yeah, because I guess to. zero doesn't count. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So, so you're a six. Yeah, so I, yeah I'd say... Six-ish. Six or seven. And how important is it for you to believe in things that are true? I'd say seven out of seven. And do you mind if I elaborate on that? Please. Because 
I think it's important to, you know, in case any other Christians believing that they understand why truth is that important, right? Jesus said that he was the truth. And he also said that behind him was coming the spirit of truth. In the book of Proverbs, it says, it talks about wisdom and says it was there from the time that God began. And it says, tells, commands Christians to seek out understanding, to seek out knowledge. So I don't, I don't think you can look at the Bible and believe it and say, ah, eh, truth, you know. <laughs> well, how do you know that this belief is true? The belief is, if you believe in the Christian God, then by definition, you have to believe in rationality, reason? Yeah. Okay. I say for, for a number of reasons, you know, one, if you're going to believe in the Christian God, you're believing he created everything. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems to me that everything functions in a system of reason. Or what if you don't believe in the Christian God? Then I guess you don't have to believe in reason, but I, I'd still highly recommend it. Can you not believe in the Christian God and still believe in reason? Oh, absolutely. I, I think you do a great job. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't fishing for that. Now, you're saying that all X's are Y's, but you don't have to be an X to be a Y. Now, I, I do think if you follow reason enough, I, I think it'll suggest the existence of a Christian God. Give me a good example of believing something specific with Christianity, then at that point necessitates a belief in reason. I mean, maybe if you give me an example, I'll understand what yeah, you mean. Yeah, I think yeah. to believe the Christian God, the only reasonable thing to do would then to be to believe the Christian Bible, or else where are you getting your God from? You're just kind of making it up, right? How is that reason and rationality? I'm just I'm trying to well, follow no, I, you. That kind of necessitates, you know, so if you're going to believe in a Christian God, you believe in the Christian Bible. If you believe that Bible, it shows that God created things, which includes reason and rationality. And it shows that you're supposed to seek out understanding and you're supposed to seek out knowledge and wisdom, which I think are all components of reason. So you mean knowledge when you say reason? Is that what you mean? I think that's a part of reasoning. Okay. Uh, How would you define reason? How would I define reason? Yeah. That's a good question. I would define reason is something that is logically sound, that would be logically sound whether we exist or not. Yeah, like you have to know something in order for something to be logically sound, right? I'm not sure I'm following you. Okay, so I'm thinking how you're describing reasoning as having to follow some form of logic. Yeah. I, I would say that knowledge, wisdom, and understanding all do that or all enable you to do that. Okay, so you know? how does... Following the Christian Bible gets you to knowledge and reason, then? Maybe that would um, be the question to ask. I think because of how it uplifts knowledge and specifically wisdom, which I, I think is a part of all of that. It, it talks about knowledge as if it is fundamental, as it's something that all Christians should pursue. It even talks about, you know, the Holy Spirit. We say that's one of the three parts of the Godhead. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. So to me, uh, the Spirit of truth should encompass reasoning, knowledge, wisdom, all of these things, because that's what makes up truth, isn't it? So you're telling me that the Bible says that it's truth, but does that make the Bible true? But you're saying that the Bible is intrinsically, that the Bible intrinsically encompasses knowledge because the Bible says that it does that. Is there a way that we could test that? So what I'm saying is that if you believe in the Bible, the Bible tells you you have to believe and truth, which I think encompasses reasoning. Now, I think that's where we are. The very first thing you say is if. Yeah. So if this is a true... start with that premise. If this is a true belief, would you need to say if in the beginning? I mean, whether you're Muslim or don't have any faith, that would still 
be true. Is that true? Do you have to believe in the Christian God for this to be true? Um, no. I mean, because I'm saying the Bible says that, the, Bi- the Bible just does say that. Yeah. That, that makes sense, right? Yeah, sure. Now, if you're going to work the other way around and say that reasoning supports the Bible and God, you know, that's going the other direction. I, I think it does. What would be the better direction to go? That, that your belief supports reason or that reason supports belief? I think it depends who you're talking to, right? I mean, if I'm talking to someone who already believes in God and Jesus and all that, and they're acting very irrationally, I think by all means, you should be telling them the parts of the Bible that supports reason because they're acting irrationally, right? But if I'm talking to someone who doesn't believe the Bible in the first place, it makes no sense to start there, right? (laughs) Like, why would I say, hey, uh, you know, if I'm talking to a Muslim, I wouldn't say, hey, you, the Bible says to be more reasonable. What does he care, (laughs) you know? I would have to go the other way, I would think. Start with reasoning and work up to the Bible, then work to God. And I would say that's a little bit more challenging, but I think it's doable. I'm trying to understand how starting at a belief gets you to something that is logically true. You're starting with a belief that, that? these tenets that you believe in are true, yeah, and then it's getting you to reason without first discovering whether, in fact, those tenets are true. Yeah, so you're, you're questioning the premise itself. Well, so then... You you need to to start with a true premise. Everybody starts with some premises. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, you know, I I studied philosophy a little bit in school, and Mm -hmm. that's where you go, right? When you want to attack someone's belief or you want to question someone's belief, you go to the premises. So first, uh, in order to just make sure we're on the same page, why do you believe in reason? Why do you believe that I can find truth with reason? When you employ reason, you can employ testable claims about whether what you are thinking is indeed true and true for everyone. And if it's false, there would hopefully be a way to discover that it is false. And with a belief, the way I see beliefs is that if they are false, there are often not ways to discover that they are false. Okay, but could I disprove reason? Can you disprove Yeah, Could we show that reason just doesn't work? Is that possible? So you're saying, can we use reason to show that reason is unreasonable? Well, could we use anything to show that reason just doesn't work? Can we show anything to show that to show that reason doesn't right. so work? So how you described reason, we have to use logic to get to, you know, basically from point A to point B. And instead of logic, we should use... No, I'm not saying we should. Oh, I'm just okay. asking, is there a way to test whether or not that works? I mean, how? why do we believe that that works? What I'm, what I'm getting at and what... My viewpoint sort of is, I'll just be transparent and we'll go from there, right? Sure. Um, Most people who believe in reasoning believe it because it's been tested and worked over time, right? And I think that most people who believe in a religion do the same thing, right? Uh, Very few people just suddenly go, I believe in this new God, right? They, They believe in this God because throughout time that religion has worked for people and it's been proven. And as such, they fall into it. Even religions I don't agree with that's typically how people come to the religion. Does the aspect of a religion, quote-unquote, working for somebody, meaning that it's helpful for somebody, does that speak to the truth value of the belief? Just as much as it does reason, I think. You know, um, just to use social Darwinism, because, mm-hmm. you know, that that's a word that church people just love, right, Darwinism? But no, social Darwinism basically dictates that something doesn't survive unless it's useful. And that's, that's how we get to our beliefs and what we have today. And when I look at that, I think that's why we have reasoning, right? Our t- 
typical, what most people do with logic and reasoning today, comes from the Aristotle period, right? I mean, we kind of use his logic today because it worked. And I think most people do the same thing with their religions. It's because they've worked for so long that they still are here today. I understand they're useful, but does that make them true? I think that makes them just as likely to be true as logic and reason. How does something that is useful make it true? It doesn't, but I mean, just because, just like you said, we have to have premises to believe in reason, we have to have premises to believe anything. When I look at the world today and how it functions, it seems to function with some form of reason, some form of structure, which to me suggests a higher power. And, and, and really, a lot of my beliefs are basically based on probabilities, right? Because Could someone I, have that premise and come to a different conclusion that it means that there's no higher power? I think they could. I, I think I'd probably disagree with them, but... If someone could come to that conclusion and not come to that conclusion, and there's no way to disprove someone's claim that there is a God... So he, here, here's what I think, basically. And I'm at risk of sounding very Baptist during some of this, which doesn't mean anything to you. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's something that God himself has to prove, right? Uh, when When it comes down to it, I can look at the structure of everything and say, this structure proves there's a creator. And someone else could say, no, this structure proves that there is no one who structured it, which I don't understand, but I'm sure they understand why they came to that. You said it's up to God to prove, you said? I, I would say, yeah. I mean, is I, there is there anything that I could do to convince you that there was a God? I mean, could I, let's just, for example, let's say right now, I'll prove to you there's a God. Your chicken will be three feet taller the next time you see them. And then the next time you saw them, they were all three feet taller. Well, I think for a time that that would hopefully make you think that there's some kind of God or something, because that's absurd. If there right? was a claim that there was a God and that God would make my all my chickens three feet taller. Yeah, if I just told you God is with me mm -hmm. in order to prove himself to you, he's enabled me to say your chicken will be three feet taller. The next time you saw them, they were and three feet I taller. And if I see my chickens again and they're three feet taller... I would. You would question your belief. Yeah. I would absolutely consider that belief being true. But here, here's where I see the problem. Mm -hmm. I say that. I do that, right? So then you see your chickens next time and you're like, wow, there's a God. Eventually, just because of my understanding of how the human mind works, I think you would either question, have these chickens always been this height after so long, if you've never seen anything else again? Or maybe you would think, I did it. There wasn't a God, but Joshua is the one who made those chickens three feet taller. And if I could just consistently do that to everyone and more people believe that, what if I started to believe that? Well, then we just have a cult with magic powers. How does that help anybody? So back to the claim where you said it's up to yeah. God or Jesus to show that God or Jesus exists. And I know you've listened to the show and to employ the thought experiment that, uh, let's say I personally believe that Buddy Holly is a God he yeah. was a musician. He died. He rose. He's a god now. And if someone claims whether Buddy Holly is a real god and I tell them that's up to Buddy Holly to answer that claim, then it doesn't seem like anyone could disprove that claim. Which, you know, I, I still – if Buddy Holly was doing that, you know, he, he would just start a magic cult if he was just doing stuff, right? The same thing as if – I was just doing stuff, and I don't think it would enable anyone to believe in God or to really be better people, unless, you know, Buddy, Buddy Holly was actually making people better people, right? 
So, and I think. But what um, if I claim that he is? Buddy Holly is just making people making better. people better. I believe it to my bones. You believe it to your bones. Well, I mean, much like Jesus, you know, we we could search for physical proof and all of that. But my answer would come down to so we we all know of IQ, right? Intelligent quotient. Mm-hmm. Probably some people are aware that there's such thing as EQ, right? Emotional quotient. To use just an example of EQ for people who maybe don't know what I'm talking about. I could logically say, hey, my wife probably loves me, but it will be a probability game. You know, I'm looking at she does these things, so she probably loves me. But when it comes down to it is I feel loved is why I know that, not because I reasoned it so. Just like there's IQ and EQ, I would say there's SQ. I think there's a spiritual quotient. I think in my spirit, I would know whether or not he was God. Just like I couldn't explain to you why I feel loved by my wife, I don't think I could explain to you why my spirit would sit if he was God or not. Because just like emotional is different than reasoning, so, so is spiritual. If you believe in this spiritual sense, right? Yeah. That gets you to your God. And uh, let's say I believe in, I have a special sauce sense. And that special sauce sense gets me to Buddy Holly being God. <laughs> Are we any closer to the truth? No. Okay. Yeah, and... And that's a problem, right? And I wish I had a better answer for you. Um, but let's 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 work on this. Let's get to an okay. answer because let's do it. Because um, I, I think we're on the same page here in the sense that at a seven, you want to believe in things that are true. Yeah. Me too. I'm at, I'm there. I'm with you. At so a we're seven. On the same page. And if it's true, I want to believe it. And if it's not true, I don't. That, or I want to think it. That makes sense to me. It. Yeah. So if I'm claiming that Buddy Holly is a god and you or someone else claiming that another God exists, I would like to know what we could do to at least get us yeah. three-fourths the way there, right? Yeah. So just, just the, see, the problem I see, I believe my God because I've seen many things that allowed me to believe it, right? God has proven himself to me time and time again. You know, I've lived through an accident I shouldn't have lived through. I've mm-hmm. In a time where I think me, myself, would have been filled with a lot of anger and depression at the hospital. I was filled instead with joy and I was cutting up jokes and having a good time with all the doctors. And yes, I was in incredible pain, but I believe the spirit of God enabled me to kind of conquer that and basically be better than I am on my own. And what I would think you would say to that, because I've heard the show before is, well, what if you, what if Buddy Holly's doing the same for you, right? Yep. That, I mean, that, that's I was a good going to say response. something about that. So you've <laughs> yeah, listened to so, the show, so please. <laughs> so I think that does create a very unique problem where on a spiritual level, neither of us can prove or disprove one another, right? Now, what I would say is my God's proved the test of time, right? He has been here years and um, for basically as long as we know history has existed. Judaism is either Judaism or Hinduism is one of the oldest, is the oldest religion in the world. And there's some debate on which ones is. He's tested that period of time that makes me say. I think you're just saying that the longer religion has been around, that speaks to the truth value of that religion. Well, I think it does. I think it does because, you know, it survived for a reason. You know, there was many attacks against the Jewish people and all that where their God kind of proved to them. Same thing with me in my personal life with Jesus. Uh, when you go to the archaeological evidence for Jesus, I, I think it really supports that, as well as the history behind it. You know, I'm saying a belief in the Bible necessitates a belief in reason. Okay. And we're trying to get to why I believe in the Bible in the first place, basically. And I would say 
the tradition, the fact that it's lasted a long time is part of that reason. Part of that reason is the archaeology with Jesus. And we see that that he existed. We see his claims made. We see that Rome, by any other standard, when someone claimed to be God, would have shown, here is the person's body. But they didn't do that in that instance. And again, when I look at all this stuff, it's really stacked probabilities, right? I don't have anything that I can tangibly hold on to and say this, you know, X proves Y. So if I was a Muslim and I follow the Quran, could you use a different book and get to a different conclusion? Well, I do know a guy who's used the Quran and came to believing that Jesus was God, which is that possible? To, is that possible but, to happen the other way? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I, I would say that I think God will prove himself. Now, what if he doesn't? Right? I mean, that, that's always a possibility. In my life, he has. The belief is that God will prove himself at some point. Yeah. What is a better default position, do you think? I won't believe in a certain entity until there is evidence for that entity, or I will believe in that entity until proven otherwise? I think because I don't think you could get to whether or not God's real. I don't think we can prove or disprove it right now. Because again, you know, I think if I physically could, we would begin to think that I was God. And I think that that's problematic. But if I say Buddy Holly, it's up to Buddy Holly to prove or disprove himself. It's, yeah. there's nothing, we're, we're, the conversation's sort of done. I mean, there's nothing we can do at that point. Because um, Yeah, what I would say to anybody is, and you know, I, I think some of my Christian brothers and sisters might not like that I said this, but I, I would say, believe what's most useful until you have a reason not to, right? So if for you, let's just say for you, believing Buddy Holly is the most useful thing for you. Believe that until you have a reason not to. But I, I would I would tell anybody, pray and ask God to prove himself. I believe he will. And I know that's a bold claim, but that, that's what I believe. And if I tell people to pray and believe in Buddy Holly, and Buddy Holly will prove himself to you, and if I say that to somebody, and let's say they do that, and tomorrow something terrific happens to them. They like, get three feet tall chickens. <laughs> they get three feet tall chickens, or they meet the love of their life, or who yeah. knows what. And then that would speak to that belief being true. Yeah. Um, I would say if it was something, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think you can test in that way. If you pray for God, and he does not show up. Then that's a test. That's it. Yeah, that's okay. it. Okay. And if you pray to Buddy Holly and he does show up, believe him. So that seems... I mean, I think that's reasonable. So I think we're on the right track. To me, it seems like that that is a reasonable suggestion in that that there are two claims about the universe that, let's say, Jesus is a God or Buddy Holly is a God, then there should be a way we could test those claims in in an objective sense. Pray to both. See who answers, Pray to both. And if no one answers, I, I think you got your answer, man. I would think you would need to be more specific, right, in order for it to be a real experiment. You know, uh, like the example I gave, they were praying specifically for God to bring down fire. I don't think that kind of stuff really happens as much today. Why? I mean, I've seen some crazy stuff. Why should I pray for one certain thing, like fire to rain down versus meeting the love of my life? Why well, pray well, for that then? If I could pray that I want to meet the love of my life, which I have, Jennifer, so I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and... If I can pray for that to happen, why can't I pray for fire to rain down from the sky? Because okay, that's the same kind of claim, right? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I know that that's an awful answer, right? Because if I can pray for the easy things, I can I've pray for seen, the hard things too, right? Yeah. And I, I don't understand. Well, 
this again, this is me going back to sounding like a Baptist, I guess. There's this doctrine of election, which I, I don't fully follow, but that, that's sort of what people are going to hear me say. God already knows who's ready and who he's going to prove himself to, right? So I believe that, you know, if you pray to God and it's fire and he wants you to see him in that way, he will show you in that way. I do believe in praying specifically. So if if God rains down fire, then that is proof that he exists. And if he doesn't rain down fire, thus there is more proof that he exists? No. No. I mean, if he doesn't rain down fire... Then he doesn't exist? Either he doesn't exist or he did not, wasn't ready to reveal himself. One of those two things are true, right? I would think if it doesn't happen... That claim is not falsifiable then because if you're not correct... There's no way to know that. No, what I would say is, I mean, we all have some placeholder beliefs, right? Uh, there's certain reasons we believe stuff that we just don't, we don't have to explain every single thing, right? I mean, I don't always understand how everything around me works. I think if God does not rain down fire and that was your prayer, that tomorrow God rained down fire right here and he doesn't do it, I think you have every reason to believe he doesn't exist okay. at that point. Okay. That doesn't mean that later on he won't show himself. I, I believe he will, but that means Why? at that point you have a good you just, reason. You not just to had a claim it. that showed in our discussion that at that point God doesn't exist, but you're going to go on believing it. No, no. I mean, if that happened to me, sure, I, I wouldn't believe until I had a reason to believe. I mean, there's plenty of things that you've changed your mind on before, right? Where you've tested it in some way mm-hmm. with current evidence. Uh, and again, we'll just presuppose you prayed yeah. for God, rain down fire. He didn't do it with current evidence. You should not believe, but I, I would caution if new evidence surfaced, you should reevaluate, right? Just like Absolutely. we do with anything. That's a testable claim. So I'm going to verbalize or pray or whatever that I want Buddy Holly to rain down fire. Okay. And you could then pray that you want Jesus to rain down fire. Okay. And let's say, just for... Okay. It just as a hypothetical, what if we reconvened tomorrow, and what if neither happened? Then I think we should reevaluate things, right? What should um, we reevaluate at that point? Whether or not either of them are God or exist. And, and I know that's a bold claim, and a lot of people won't like that because, you know, God doesn't work like that today. Why? I think he can. But but I'm, but I'm here to tell you that if I woke up tomorrow morning and fire was raining down in my house, I would reevaluate my belief system. I think that that would, yeah. I think I would be, that would be unreasonable not to at that point. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that. I don't know, who's someone's name? Joe. Joe broke his leg. Okay. He prays to Buddy Holly that it will be healed tomorrow morning and it's healed. I think he has every reason to believe Buddy Holly at that point, right? Because he prayed and what he prayed happened. I mean, he tested it and the test confirmed it. How about, let's change it just a little bit. Okay. Let's say that Joe lost his leg. Man, poor Joe. We just, we just keep know. making it Joe's worse not doing worse. so well. Joe lost his leg in an accident. Okay, sure. And we pray to various gods that Joe will get his leg back. Okay. What do we think will happen? I, I think if the Spirit is leading us to pray that, I believe that it will fail every time until we pray to the Christian God. So if we pray to the Christian God... Joe will likely grow his leg back. I don't know if I'd say likely. I would hope so, right? Have you ever experienced a situation where someone, anyone in this world has lost their leg and has grown it back? Um, Not that specifically. Um, 
I've prayed for a dog with a broken leg where it was visibly broken and seen it fixed in the same day. I've uh, prayed for a lady with cancer who came back the next week and it was no longer there. I've been through an accident that I should have died in by most people's accounts. I survived and not only survived, but had all of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace in the hospital and was witnessing to people there with my spirit. I have seen why would time God, after time where God's done stuff. Why would God cure or help those conditions yet not cure or help someone who is amputee? Man, that that's the question, isn't it? Um, honestly, I'll, I'm just honest with you. Uh, Christian theologians have been asking that since there's been Christian theologians, right? Why does God pick and choose? And that's what it comes down to, that doctrine of election, right? Do we believe that it's because we didn't believe hard enough, or do we believe that God has his own agenda, right? Why did God let me get in that accident in the first place? Well, does that's, a, that's my question, right? Like, Well, see, my question is it seems like God doesn't like amputees. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of times where he has done that. Oh. I mean, I've heard of times where people have prayed for a missing arm or leg, and it's, it's really wrong. Now, I wasn't there to witness that, so I didn't mention it, because for all I know, that, that story's a load of baloney, right? I mean, On its face, it would seem like an incredible Yeah, I mean, that's, claim. that's a huge claim. Mm-hmm. And I've, I know a lot of people make those huge claims. I, I just don't like to make claims that I haven't personally seen. But I've, I've heard of a lot of that kind of stuff happening. What I've personally seen is broken legs healed. I've personally seen cancer healed. I've personally seen... Do you find that strange that God would cure cancer. And I've heard numerous stories where, where people I mean, claim God has we're done We're in the South, right? Everybody's thing. heard these stories. I've yeah. heard many stories about this. And yet, I haven't heard one story that is least close to me that I've heard yeah. where God has cured an amputee. And one possible alternate explanation, and yeah. please tell me if I'm wrong, okay. is that the amputee claim might be a tad more testable than some of these other claims. What do you think? Uh, it's possible. Um, I, I would say the reason is just basically, you know, he's God, does what he wants. Uh, if so he wants God to just doesn't him, like amputees. If he wants to prove himself in that way, I believe he will. I mean, I believe there is every reason to pray for God to regrow arms and legs. Um, I think a lot of it is... we. How often have you heard someone really pray for that, right? People think it's beyond God, so they don't usually ask him for that. I think that's well, I don't know how often it. it happens, but again, I'm here to tell you that if I saw somebody who was an amputee at the coffee shop, yeah. and then the next day I go to the coffee shop and that person has grown a limb, yeah. that would change everything I think about the world. I would re-examine everything if I saw that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then um, maybe pray for it. Like, not to be that guy. And you know, I, I even do that at church. People get annoyed. That's that's sort of my answer to everything. Right? Is pray for it. Because to me, I I think it would be unreasonable to believe in a God like I do, and then to say, oh, well, you know, don't pray for him for that thing. I mean, if you're going to believe in a God who created everything, why, why would you not at least try? You know, like that's that's silly. Well, because when someone has cancer, it's well, also, a lot more of a muddled kind of condition where there are a lot of factors and, and things well, could cure it and things can go remission and you don't know exactly what's yeah. working. And, and stuff not, on the scan could have not been cancer in the first place. Might not right? have been cancer in the first place. Yeah. But, uh, and that's why when someone's an amputee, that's pretty concrete. Either they have that yeah. limb or they don't. Yeah. I, I believe it. it's the same sort of test. I think it should work. Um, but I, I will challenge you. I think the reason 
one of the reasons we see a lot more cancer cured is there's a lot more cancer than there are amputees, right? But again, God doesn't always cure cancer either, right? I mean, why? I mean, that's always the question is why. And I think until God shows himself to you, I don't think there's a good reason to believe it. Okay. Um, for, for me personally, if you don't mind, because I know the show's sort of about how we came to our beliefs, right? Yeah. Um, I was kind of born into the Christian church. Mm-hmm. I was born Pentecostal, so I sort of just believed what I was told for a long time, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, when, you, when you're younger and someone who's an authority over you says, this is what's true, all right, right? Like, I mean, we don't know to question it yet. So I did that all the way up until, I think, until I went to college. And um, I'll save some gory details. Uh, something something tragic happened to me. Yeah, it's and, um, yeah. It, it's a little bit personal, so I just, no, 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 I'll leave that out. Yeah, absolutely, uh-huh. But I was really angry at you know my perceived God. Right. You know whether you believe in him or not. I was angry at that entity, whether okay. it's real or not. I was angry at him, and I was so angry that I took up my Bible and I said, "I am going to disprove God, so that I no longer have to believe this because I am angry at him." And it would be cool to not be angry. And I read through it over and over and over and over, and what I found was. A lot of things contradict each other. A lot of things made no sense. And unfortunately, as I did research to try to confirm what I believed, what I ended up seeing was a lot of what some people believe the Bible is. They believe it's like iron, the strong substance like that that can't bend. I found that it's not that because once you see these contradictions, it would snap. But instead, when I when I really researched why the Bible was written, how it was written, the literature of it, I found it's more like steel, right? Steel can bend, which is what makes it stronger than iron. It wasn't much longer after that when I said, okay, maybe I'm reading the Bible wrong in the first place, and I started reading the Bible more and believing it again. I went to a international conference with our church, and I sat down, and I, I was speaking in tongues, which, oh, he speaks in tongues. But uh, <laughs> someone was sitting next to me and started talking to me, and I was still speaking in tongues. And uh, their friend came up afterwards and said, thank you, you and I was like, for what? <laughs> you just told him all this about his mother and dad and all this stuff. Apparently, I was speaking Italian. I don't know Italian. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's pretty insane. I mean, there's plenty of things that could explain it away. But I started seeing things like that that caused me to believe, even though I didn't have anything physically tangible. Again, not IQ, but SQ, right? I saw that spiritual things manifest. Well, that's, that's uh, why I started to. That is a testable claim that you were able to speak in Italian. Yeah. Where you didn't know Italian before. Yeah. If I came across somebody who legit did not know Italian and then yeah. they were able to speak any foreign language, yeah. again, I would re examine what I think about how the world oh, yeah. works. And I think, uh, really, I think the reason we don't all believe. Can we speak in Italian together right now? No. Oh. Because, again, if I could just do it, right, we, we would think that it was just me, right? Can we speak together in tongues? Or is I, that something that you can do and I can't do? Well, I can't do it, right? God has to do it. Oh. Um, they've actually they've done some science tests, which is just interesting to me. They've tested people speaking in tongues, and they showed that I think it was the frontal lobes of the brain just shut off while they're doing it. Do people who speak in tongues, can they speak in tongues together with each other? Um. That's, that's a great question. I don't know. So when someone speaks in tongues, so people don't generally have conversations in tongues. Uh, not typically. I think that, personally, I think it should happen more. So if you spoke but, in tongues, would there be anyone 
outside of yourself to know what you are saying. I'm going to make some other Pentecostals angry with this, though. <laughs> but So 1 Corinthians 14 says, if if someone speaks in tongues, and and it's talking about the kind of tongues that a lot of happen, time, times happens in church today, right, where they're just, it sounds like gibberish to us. The Bible would call it a heavenly language. It says that there should always be someone there who could interpret, who has that other spiritual gift. Oh. A lot of times we, unfortunately, we just don't see that. So if you speak in tongues, it doesn't mean you know yourself what you're saying and somebody uh, not else? Not usually. I think some people do have both. Um, my grandfather, I, I've seen where he spoke in tongues before and then stood up and interpreted it, which I thought was really cool. But you very, very seldomly see that, which is what the Bible says should be happening. So then the question becomes, well, why isn't it happening, right? Well, it sounds like that claim is not very testable. Uh, it's not. And, and I think that, again, that's the problem is a lot of this stuff, it's not testable in the reason and the intelligent kind of realm, just like, you know, my emotions, right? Yeah, you so you're saying it's testable yeah. in a spiritual yeah. realm. And, and, I, and again, I think if you prayed for God to do something and he does it, I think that's a good reason to believe it. And if he doesn't, I think that's a good reason not to believe it until new evidence comes along. Right now, God has blessed me in ways unimaginable, right? And he's been there for me, so I believe it. I really try to approach this openly at that if I had my chickens and sure enough, those same chickens were three feet taller the next day and that was predicted that a God would do this. Yes, of course I would re-examine my thoughts about this. Okay, so here's here's the problem. Mm-hmm. If God showed you that, right? And then you go tell everybody about it, that this thing happened. Well, some people might come and look at your chickens and believe, but overall, I think most people would just think you were crazy. They'd always been that high or, you know, some, something along that lines. That's fair. But you have good reason to believe it and they do not. Until, you know, they test it and something happens or, you yeah. know, something like that. Or I could like videotape my chickens or I could. That'd be cool. You probably have two different pictures that you could show, which, you know, stuff like that does happen, right? We, but does we that speak more questions. to the claim? Because the claim is my chickens becoming three feet tall. I mean, yeah, that, that, that is an, that's that big is an enough incredible that claim. Most people would. With an incredible claim, I would need some extraordinary evidence to support that claim. And so, rightly so, I think people would need some pretty good evidence that this really happened. Yeah. And. One might suggest that a God claim is similarly that sort of claim. Yeah, and I believe it is. And um, for me, it's unfortunate, right? Because I so much want everyone to have the same relationship with God that I have. Because, again, how much it benefited me, right? But I understand that until God proves himself to them and they see that kind of thing, they have no reason to believe that. We speak with Taylor Barner, Presbyterian campus minister at Elon University, coming up after this short break. You are listening to Being Reasonable on WHUP. If you have a belief that you wish to discuss, please connect with us through beingreasonableshow.com. The theology of play states that play is actually important work that needs to be done, not just in a Christian context, but in a human context. For it opens our minds to the way in which God works. Um, And it also reminds us that there's more than just work, there's more than just labor and, and, and tiredness and eventually death. There is a joy to be experienced. So the theology of play is, is really a theology of joy as well, uh, tied into it. And that theology of play is, is not is something that we're called to do, not something that we frivolously do without meaning or it's silly or unnecessary. And it really became central because of 
my work and in, in, in working with students of uh, middle school, high school, and college age and seeing how serious kids today take the world. And, it, and we should, certainly. The, um, I firmly believe that kids um, are the current leaders of the church, not just the future leaders of the church, but also allowing them the space and time to remember that they are kids and that play is not just play it's also their work um and this that was kind of weaving in an idea that was brought on by mr rogers um and that play is the serious work of children so are you saying that in our culture we often take play as frivolous yeah and when we see someone at play that we think that they are not doing important things yes and <laughs> you are saying that play is actually an essential part of life yeah and bring it home to theology. How does it relate to that? So yeah, one of the ideas and the concepts of the theology of play is that inherently play is something that God does. When we talk about creation, when we talk about the world, God isn't just a player, <laughs> but God is also this creator, sustainer, redeemer. And so there is, there is serious work as we would consider work to being done but there is also an element of joy and there's an element of fun and play that goes into that creation. So often God is at play. Yes. So, and uh, it's and not it, that God is playing with us. Right. It is more so we are invited to participate in the creation story and the play of the world. Yeah, I think I see what you're saying. I think maybe oftentimes when people have a conception of God, it's a, it's a conception of a serious bearded figure who is making serious decisions with other people's lives mm -hmm. and not somebody who is just loving life, so to speak, yeah. and is really trying to do positive things yeah. or fun things. Yeah. Yeah. I think the one, the one area where the theology falls short is in, and maybe it doesn't, but in addressing some of our like more current events kind of issues of the day, um, the theology of play can kind of tri seems to trivi trivialize real world problems in that it's saying, oh, don't take life so seriously. Well, that's not all it's saying. It's saying, yes, there is serious work to be done, but we can't lose that element of joy, that element of uh, inspiration, that element of play. And play can be anything from games to sports to outdoor activities to reading to taking time for oneself. On a scale of one to seven, would you say, mm -hmm. how confident are you that this belief is true? I would say that I believe it is a six, mostly because there is an element of me that wants to leave room for the spirit to work in the midst of that. And on a scale from one to seven, how important is it for you to believe in things that are true and real? Uh, very much a seven. We are called to pursue truth and to question and doubt and express those questions and doubts and to dive deeper in our understanding of who God is and how the world works and really ponder those questions of the universe. So, How do you know that this belief is true? I believe this belief is true because I've seen it not just present in my own life, but I've seen it in the lives of my students. And witnessing the joy that has been brought through play one is exciting and fun to see, but it is also, it's a revelation that's been brought to me by children. 
and teenagers and young adults. I know it to be true because that's how I've seen God at work. And um, if I don't recognize, if I if I dismiss that revelation based on the age of my students, then I'm not truly honoring the Spirit of God within them. Okay. Let's say Tim is sitting next to you. Mm-hmm. And Tim says, I believe that God says the most important thing is to live by work and struggle. Mm. And you say the most important thing is to live by play. Mm-hmm. How could me, I, as a third party, make a distinction between what is true, who is more factual? Mm. That's a good question. I would say that part of what comes into this is context. Um, understanding that my truth doesn't mean that your truth isn't true. And so Tim's focus on work and struggle uh, is fine, but that's not all there is to life. And my focus on play is not all there is to life. And so our truths should be interwoven and compatible. But I think what you're saying is that play, all things being equal, is more important than work. Mm. And I think Tim would be saying that work, all things remaining equal, is more important to play. Gotcha. I'm a third person. Mm -hmm. I just want to know what's true and real. How could I figure that out? So I would say that what's real and true for one of us is not necessarily what's real and true for all. Our own experiences vary significantly on the basis of pick a demographic. Are truths relative? Not necessarily entirely. My personal belief is that Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. But there are certain truths that we might not be aware of in this world. And and this kind of gets into a broader context of understanding privilege and understanding um, that certain experiences aren't shared as a human family. I think what you're saying is that Tim thinks work is fundamentally more important than play. Mm -hmm. And this is backed up by theology. And you believe that play is more important than work. And this is backed up by theology. Mm -hmm. And And both both are okay. And both are true. Yeah, both are okay. Help me out for a second. Let's say that Tim Mm -hmm. believes that there is an even number of chickens in his yard. Yes. And you believe that there is an odd number of chickens in this yard. Mm -hmm. There is an objective, universal answer to that. And it doesn't matter what you or Tim believe, Mm -hmm. that there is a truth, a universal truth there. And so when I hear you say that both you and Tim are correct, it confuses me. In this instance, truth is relative. The truth is relative. Is it true? Well, for the person. In this sense, it's not necessarily a truth about the divine. The truth of the chickens in the yard. Yes, there is a finite number of chickens out there. um, And all it takes is for us to go out there and count them. But in the instance of personal exploration and personal worldviews, Tim's focus on work over play doesn't necessarily distract him from the arcing truth of God. Are you saying that your truth might not be factually true, but it's really important 
to you. Yeah. Well, let me broaden it a little bit. Yeah, sure thing. If something is subjectively true, Mm -hmm. how could I differentiate between, let's say, you are the type of person who likes to play, Mm -hmm. and therefore, you have projected that onto a god. Yeah. And you say that a god likes to play, Mm -hmm. as opposed to a god likes to play, and therefore, you have adopted that belief. Yeah. Well, and and people won't, there are people that won't see God in that way. People oftentimes see God in in various different facets that I guess fit their need sometimes right. uh, but also fit the way in which they see the world right so your is, truths aren't true for everybody not they're, necessarily they're true for you yeah exactly in a subjective world like this that I think that you're talking about isn't everything true everything is true in a sense that's belief can pursue it. But we can also oftentimes pursue something in the wrong direction. Um, But if that's... How is there a wrong direction if everything is true? Going about pursuing truth in a way that is self-destructive, I would argue... But if someone belongs to a death cult and they say being self-destructive is fine and all truths are true, Mm -hmm. then... Both are equally true? Mm, In a sense, I suppose. If truth is subjective, is it truth? I still think so. We, We talk about living your truth. What's true for me might not be necessarily true for one other person, but there is an element of truth that is not subjective. There are certain truths that we definitely attest to be universal and... Um, just like we talk about the number of chickens in the yard. Um, there are certain things that are finite and factual and that we can measure. How is that truth different than your truth? Because presumably you're saying something that is true about how the world works, something mm-hmm. about reality, something that's mm-hmm. real. Well, and I, I, I do firmly believe that my truth is something that is measurable. We can measure the balance in someone's life. And if that balance isn't really a balance, if it's just work or if it's just play, then I would argue that they're not living in a way in which we've been called by Jesus Christ. When we live our lives without that balance, we, we are more prone to self-destruction. And if someone without faith says, that's not true, well, no, that that's a truth for them as well. Um, and if, so that's what we're oh, still saying. Okay, so if someone says that let's it's say they don't just all believe. work. Well, let's just say they don't have faith in anything, and they say they they just say that's not true. Mm. Are we still left that's with the fact that that is a subjective truth, or that's a universal truth that they haven't seen? So my faith in God versus someone's lack of faith in God; those are both subjective opinions, um, maybe not in my, in my worldview, um, but those are things that we can't... So is your belief in God a subjective belief or a universal belief? Mine is a universal belief. It's universal. Well, and so my belief in God for me, in my, in my worldview, is, is, is a universal belief. But that's... How do we know that? So how do we know that God exists? Well, that's a universal so I'm not, uh, yes. So, but that's not a universal, that's not, it's not universal in the sense that not everybody believes that. 
Um, but you're saying that it's a universal truth in the sense that whether we exist or not, whether there are chickens, whether there are uh, cars driving around, uh, that is I believe that a there true is, fact. I believe that there is God and God is. How do um, we know that is a universal truth? Uh, well, I know it as a universal truth um, through my interactions with others, uh, through my experiences of the, of the divine, um, personal revelations, study, diving deeper into faith. Um, and if somebody says, I don't believe that? And then I guess that makes it, that is where I would say it's not a universal truth because not everybody believes that. Um, How can something but, be a universal truth and not a universal truth? <laughs> No, maybe, um, maybe, maybe if I ask you this question, okay, is holding the belief more important than the belief being true in a universal sense? Perhaps, because from from a position of faith or from a position that lacks faith, uh, for for the believer and the non-believer alike. I'm sorry about faith. What do we mean when I say faith? I mean for the person who believes in the Judeo-Christian God or Judeo-Islam, uh, Muslim, Christian God, um, or for the person who believes in uh, the Buddha, or uh, for the person who pursues human morality. But when you're using the word faith, you're meaning belief. Yeah, in a okay. sense, because belief is closely tied with faith. Certain beliefs, uh, we, would argue, we could say, are less helpful than others, I suppose. Like my belief in that Jesus Christ is the son of God isn't, is, is, is vastly more important than my belief in play. That belief is something that is close to me at my core. Let's do a quick thought experiment, if you don't mind. Sure thing. Let's suppose I believe that I am a billionaire. Mm -hmm. And this belief is helpful. Mm -hmm. I am nicer to other people. I give more money away. For the purposes of this thought experiment, that belief isn't true. I am not a billionaire. You're not. In that, yes. So the belief is helpful. Yes, but it's not true. But it's not true. Mm -hmm. Do I let you continue in that belief? Yes. Okay. And is this what you're saying about your belief, or am I not understanding your belief? No. So someone could take a look at this, and they could say, I don't really need that. And that's fine. At its outset, though, it is a facade. It's a farce. Um, the belief, the belief is a farce, but the, the product of that belief, yes, is helpful. We are also called to live into what is true. Why do you think people believe in their respective gods? People believe in God for, through a variety of different reasons, some good, some bad. Um, I believe in God, uh, through personal experiences, um, with the divine, uh, my examination of the world and uh, learning from what I've learned through others and seeing God in others. And what I've witnessed is very real and true for me. And it has led me to believe that God exists. Now, that belief might be founded on shaky ground or what have you, but nonetheless, it's true for me. And that, there's what you would call subjective truth. When you get to this point, though, of... Would you rather believe in something that is true for you, or would you rather believe in something that is universally true well, for everybody, all things remaining equal? Uh, so, I, I mean, I would, I, I would rather believe in something that's universal, and, but my belief in who God is 
um, isn't just true for me. I believe that what God is to me is also true for everyone else. How do we know that? That comes from faith. My belief in God is not driven just by the, by the need for belief. My belief in God is driven from taking that objective and open look at the world and saying who Jesus Christ is. Can one person take an objective view of the world? I think if you, you can approach it objectively. If you didn't have your beliefs or you didn't have your faith, mm. did you, do you think you'd be the same person or do you think you'd be a different person? I think I'd be a different person in a sense, but you don't need faith or religious faith to be a good person. I'll use my sister as an example. Um, both of us grew up going to church um, on Sundays and both grew up in the Presbyterian church and she's agnostic. And we've, we had very similar experiences, very similar walks of life. And I think once we both graduated high school, uh, our paths diverged a little bit. She is a dedicated dog mom. She loves taking care of animals and uh, she works as a research tech at the University of Colorado in Boulder to develop things that are beneficial to humans. Um, so I believe that she is a good person. I believe that she takes care of others. Um, and I believe that she is a morally good without the faith that we both grew up with. So what does the faith add? What is the extra special sauce that we get from faith that we are not getting from the way your sister lives her life? Well, so I think that my faith in God, my Christian faith in God, because I, I won't speak for uh, Jewish, Muslim, sure. Hindu, Buddhist brothers and sisters, and atheist and agnostic brothers and sisters. My faith in God is that there is this bigger thing than myself. I've come to believe in who Jesus is, who Jesus claims to be. Well, you are a good person and you are caring towards others. Mm -hmm. And presumably your sister is a good person mm -hmm. and she is good towards others. So I'm trying to find out what does the faith add? What are you gaining that your sister is missing? Nothing. Oh. Then why have the belief? My sister has taken the time to exploring faith and asking questions and doubting. And uh, she can't, obviously she's come to a different conclusion. It uh, doesn't mean I love her any less. Sure. Um, and I'm not trying to pit yeah. you against your sister. No, no, no. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm trying to find out what do you yeah. have that she doesn't have? What, so, what is she missing? We can live our lives in, an, in a morally good way and not realize that we are following the teachings of Christ. And it doesn't necessarily have to be this overt, visible, physical declaration of commitment and dedication to this belief. If you can follow the teachings of Jesus Christ and not believe in Jesus Christ, and also follow the teachings of Jesus Christ and believe in Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. what does the belief in Jesus Christ mean? You truly trust in who Jesus is. For the person who doesn't believe and yet follows in Christ's footsteps, that is the person who, yes, has doubts. That's the person who, when Jesus called them to follow, I think truly would have followed. 
From the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsboro, North Carolina, I'm Mark Solomon, and you've just listened to another episode of Being Reasonable. Questions? Thoughts? Connect with us at beingreasonableshow.com. See you next week.